From Rocketium, this is Spilling the Magic Beans. As marketers, we are required to navigate through tons of data and come up with the best creative for a campaign. It's not always so easy to do this. There are so many variables for us to test to truly understand what is working and what isn't. So how on earth do you get started in building the perfect creative? How do you choose the right objective for your campaign? How do you translate a creative across several different platforms? All of this and more to come in today's episode. In today's conversation, our head of business here at Rocketium, Karan Rao, spoke with Kevin Oki, who's the founder of Touchpoint. And Kevin spills the beans on his processes to build campaigns that convert. So without further ado, here's our conversation with Kevin Oki. So my name is Kevin Oki. I'm the founder of Touchpoint. We are a growth marketing agency with a specific focus, especially on, on paid marketing. Um, so paid acquisition channel management. We, um, we're very, we're small. We keep a real kind of small, tight ship. Um, we're, we're not your average massive agency churning out, you know, churning out analysts like a factory. Um, so that, so we, we keep, you know, kind of a smaller client portfolio. We're not trying to grow and be massive. You know, we, we try to plug in, um, as, as part of our clients' teams and, uh, and sort of really feel like we're sort of almost, almost like an in-house resource. Um, so just a couple, some of the, you know, some of the clients we've worked for have been, uh, in Wealthfront. We ran their, their paid program during the, like, as they sort of launched their high APY cash product and were with them for a couple of years. Um, Embark Vet has been, you know, was a client for, for a couple of years. Uh, Pill Club now, now Favor, uh, has been a, has been a client for a couple of years. Um, you've been, we have clients that have been in the nonprofit space, space, the e-commerce space, fintech, telehealth, you know, so we've, we've had yeah, a bit so of a, you know, a variety. Pretty so. diversified. Got it. And I'm sure like every, every industry has its own nuances, right? But as you think about working with these, um, with these clients, especially during the potentially the, uh, you know, at the height of the pandemic and as, as things have improved, what are some of the high level trends that you have seen, especially as it relates to uh, paid acquisition? Well, I think, uh, you know, what we saw and I think what people commonly experienced during the pandemic was that a lot of advertisers got out of the space, um, especially the paid, the paid social space. So there was, a, there were moments when Facebook CPMs dropped really significantly as people pulled back their marketing spend. Um, and so for, for a fair while there, it was actually, there was, there were moments where you could really capitalize on there just not being as much competition. Interesting. Um, and it, you know, and it ramped back up as we got into Q4 as, as things always do. Um, but interestingly, you know, the, the weird flip side of that is that the Apple privacy laws that enforced um, all of the different protocols in, in user tracking actually came back to really hurt paid, you know, Facebook performance in particular, I won't say paid social so much because I think Facebook has been really specifically affected by that. And then people were seeing the opposite. They were seeing, you know, after having this sort of gangbuster year, advertising in the paid social space, CPM started to go through the roof for a lot of advertisers and tracking became really challenging as, you know, like attribution became a really difficult thing to right. be able to get a beat on. So, so that's been interesting. And I think there's been a lot of flip to focus on paid search um, especially where, where that's viable for companies, it continues to be extremely powerful. And then other emerging social platforms like TikTok and Snapchat are becoming more prominent. 
Yeah, and and coming to this uh, this trend of uh, especially different ad channels, kind of and and uh, you know providers trying to improve their uh, privacy uh, related uh, uh, you know features. How are you seeing clients reacting? How are you yourself thinking about uh, the changes that you need to make to your campaigns so that you are better serving uh, these clients? Yeah, sure thing. Well, there's there are absolutely. You know, there of course, like the the actual setting changes that you have to make um, in order to um, to make sure that you're you're uh, in compliance with the way that Apple requires that Facebook set things up, um, yeah. and so that users can be tracked. But I think more than anything, like as paid marketers, it's it's really important that we be that we that we be responsible and honest in our communication about what is viable on these platforms. Yeah. Um, and, you know, about like in face, we're, you know, kind of focusing on Facebook a little bit, but um, you know, it is, it's on hard mode now. It was not before, you know, it's like, it's different ball game. And I think people need to just sort of like, I want to make sure that I guard my clients funds and I'm, and I'm really upfront and communicative about that you know what was formerly possible on that platform isn't as much now. It's much more difficult to scale, um, and so having a really good bead on on good cross-channel attribution and uh, like how Facebook fits into your marketing stack is really important. And what you can do to you know what you can do to supplement that with additional you know running additional paid channels and how much of a prominence something like paid search should have in in your stack overall. Got it. Okay, perfect. And coming to another point you mentioned about TikTok, right? So this is something I at least hear from a lot of our US clients that, uh, you know, a lot of uh, buzz around this specific platform. So wanted to understand from you what you're hearing and maybe even in the broader space of video, right? Like how are you using it in uh, in, in different strategies? Yeah, absolutely. So first off, Paid social channels are hugely creative driven. And I think that I'm not sure that that everyone grasps the extent to which it is the second pillar of, of success. You know, I think people understand that it's important. Um, it used to be that you could do quite a lot structurally in, in paid social accounts in Facebook in particular to get around and beat automated bidding. It's been a couple of years since that was the case. Yeah. Um, and so it is really the, you know, like, it is really the case that at this point, you have to cede a lot of power to the algorithm. Um, and so getting back to, you know, back to creative, it's hugely important to, to have a regular flow of creative. And I don't think a lot, you know, I think, I don't think a lot of people or a lot of people in the space understand the regularity with which you have to be launching creative. You have to have a fire hose going. Um, and it's, it does have to be high quality. And it has to be high volume. And, you know, so like weekly to bi-weekly creative launches, if you're running even, you know, even like moderately aggressive levels of budgets, you know, if you're, if you're running, you know, 200, 2000, like $3,000 a day in Facebook, you know, something in that range, you need to be launching fresh creatives every two weeks at, at least. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, video is hugely important. It's, a, you know, I, I have companies within our client portfolio that rely on it only and for whom, you know, still images are just not as effective. So coming up with that much, you know, content is it's challenging and it's, but it's necessary. And when you say video, is it more uh, the user generated content, uh, influencer led content, or is it also just 
movement that uh, you know attracts users more and that's what you want to do take your statics and probably add some motion in it uh, to uh, align with the video format it's much more much more the case that user generated content tends to be okay. more powerful yeah and so and it's interesting it doesn't have to be so highly produced i i have some clients who literally are just filming things on their iPhones and it has been carrying them for a couple of years, you know? Yeah. But yeah, UGC is, is a huge part of it. And like when you get into TikTok and Snapchat, it's even more so. Absolutely. And, and again, some of the conversations I've had is where you have really nicely polished post-produced videos. They don't produce as much, no. uh, as many no. results as just organic real homegrown content. Right. So I think uh, yep. that's, that's bang on. Okay. So talk to me about, you said visuals are important. You need a high volume. You um, have to refresh them, uh, you know, sooner. What does the process of this look like right like how do you have the conversation with your clients uh, on the brief how does that get translated into your teams who works on it what technology you use talk about talk us uh, through the process yeah i would say that typically we are partnering with internal creative teams um they what they don't have available to them is you know is like an aggregation of the results uh, and, and like, like one thing that we do is try to create a feedback loop. You have to have that input and you can't just be operating in a silo and not thinking about the performance that your creative is driving and what's rising to the top in terms yeah. of being, you know, like optimized towards in Facebook. Yep. So a lot of it is, is aggregating those results, you know, is sort of pulling together. And I've, I've had, you know, some accounts where I've done like two year look back audits on creative to figure out, you know, among all of the, you know, the disparate things that they've tried, what have been the kind of primary important items. Um, so, and it is different by, by client. There are some clients for whom still images are really important. We've had, we've, you know, it seems like e-commerce companies, perhaps like there, there does, they're like a still image with focus on the product can be really powerful. Um, but I mean, it's, it's a lot about like, pulling together the the larger set of creatives yep. that have run over a longer period of time and then looking at you know like of course you can start at the top like you know format is it an image is it a video is it light in color is it dark in color you know those things actually make a huge difference is there a product centric focus um is it is it ugc content is it highly produced does the UGC content have, you know, have like a, does the product get introduced quickly? Is it like almost something that's an afterthought? Yeah. Um, so we try to draw parallels, you know, between, you know, between just looking at the whole spread, you know, it's, it's sort of where can you find those larger swing parallels to help yeah. people find big veins to start to mine? Correct. And, and somewhere, uh, so maybe, Second half of last year is when we launched our creative analytics product. So the idea was to say, um, while Facebook and other ad channels tell you that, okay, this creative has had a certain CTR, uh, it's still a black box, right? You don't know why something is working. And now if you're able to break that down at an element level, right? Saying that, okay, because there is, let's say, a large amount of space that is taken because of the copy, that's why probably it's not doing as well versus here there is a human who's smiling and, and that's why this creative is doing well. I feel like uh, that's been a revelation for us as well as we kind of uh, run through various campaigns that uh, you know our customers do. Uh, but yeah, like just trying, it, it's so amazing to see little changes in creatives have such exponential change in performance and 
also that aligns with the context of the platform you're in because the same creative that's you're using in facebook may not do as well uh, in even instagram for that matter right just because when you're using that platform probably uh, the the context of the user is different how, how do you see that uh, cross channel transition gosh like i tend to i really honestly like i tend to cede more control to the to the like the more automated features in facebook at this point um, Got it. but that you know you you do need to have there are there have absolutely been circumstances where we've been able to push you know stories creatives or yep. or reels creatives that wouldn't work in newsfeed so yeah it it's 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 really important to think about testing those different placements um and it's something that every every company needs to sort of assess for themselves and it it's you know and it is worthwhile sometimes breaking out like a stories ad set to see if i push you know if i push a really native looking ad or creative through stories can i you know can i you know create better performance overall right um and and it absolutely can be the case so you know i, I love what you guys are doing i think i think a lot of design teams are trying to straddle, you know, being brand designers and being, you know, the performance marketing designers. And I think performance marketing design is a specialty. It's, really? and it does, it does take, you know, an, an eye for the types of elements that you all are pulling out in your analytics. Yeah. And so having that kind of input, you know, especially if you have someone who's receptive, who is, who is really, who takes it in and really thinks about how does this inform the next thing I make yep. is huge. It's, it's the whole game. So yeah, I love what you guys are doing. Yeah. And, and, and somewhere we're trying to build a brand around like data designers, right? Because today design is just not for your holdings or the newspaper ad that you do because design is driven towards performance. And if I can take that performance in into building, um, let's say, better designs, better performing designs, then that's really the end game, right? Because the design can look as beautiful as you want, but if it's not getting you the relevant conversions, you know, if, if for our listeners, you wanted to share any tips, tricks that you've learned uh, by working with various customers, anything that you wanted to share uh, as a little tidbit, uh, so that our, you know, what you've probably learned over the years, if, uh, you know, some of our listeners can implement, uh, especially as it relates to to, uh, paid social, right? What are different uh, learnings that you had? We'd, we'd love to uh, hear those. Yeah, absolutely. I'll kind of, I'll venture a little bit outside of talking about creative uh, and, Please and do. I'll you know, circle back to it as well. Please but do. what I think, um, want, I, I, you know, I want to impress upon people that the objective that you choose in your campaigns is, is really important. Um, Optimizing for conversions is is hugely important. I have I have come into accounts for large companies with large media budgets and seen the sort of wreckage of trying to run. You know, there's there is this sort of idea out there that you there that you can you can run you know awareness campaigns and then retarget the video viewers and then retarget the site visitors and at the end you're gonna you know you're gonna create that whole that whole sort of in, you know, marketing funnel look in your yeah. campaign design. And it's like this beautiful theory that doesn't work at all, you know? <laughs> so it's just like, I want people to be more responsible. Like I love to see, I love seeing people be more responsible about the way that they think about objectives. And it's, it seems like something that should go without saying and should be obvious, but it's not, you know, there's, I've, you know, personally witnessed huge agencies incorporating those kinds of techniques and just wasting companies' money. So, um, 
you know, think about your objectives, optimize for conversions. One of the most powerful things available right now is, is like what you point the algorithm at when you're in a conversion optimized campaign, that is a more obvious choice. You know, what, what you optimize for is more obvious in the case of e-commerce. Yeah. And I think if you're finding yourself having to backtrack and optimize for something like a product view or add to cart action, you maybe haven't gotten to the place where you've you know gotten your on-site conversion rate up to the point that it needs to be. So it's a you should think of that as a canary in the mine. Like that's that's not a great sign, you know. Got it. Okay. Um, and it's not something you're just going to snap fix by by having correct account structure. Yeah. Um, but you know there are like there are companies with way longer conversion funnels like that where can you know someone becomes a customer after they complete an on-site action followed by an inter- follow-up interview or you know, get unlocked from a, from a, you know, like a lead list or something like that. Yeah. So it's not always obvious what to choose. Um, but usually it's like the, the last on-site event that is at the end of the first user session, something right. like that, you right. know? Um, and the other thing is, is that it's still really important to have a, have a, an, a, a structured way of exploring audiences mm-hmm. and, when possible, you know, with if budgets allow, it's important to kind of create initially a more granular structure in Facebook where you do kind of single audience ad groups and ad sets um, in order to see what emerges as best. Like definitely explore lookalikes and think along the entire spectrum of the types of lookalikes you can create from your yeah. high LTV customers to your social engagers and everything in between. Um you know, and then in the end, like you do have to consolidate things at this point. It just operates the best that way. Um, incorporate things like broad targeting. It they work. It works really well often. Um, and then, you know, like we've said, creative is so important. You have to have that pipeline going. You have to have a good feedback loop. You have to have a great way of analyzing it. You know, so services like you're offering are excellent. You know, that you can support you know, creative teams who are on performance marketing, you know, are working on performance marketing teams internally. Like it's so important and it has to be regular and it has to be consistent. You just have to commit to that. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Spilling the Magic Beans. Week after week, we take you through case studies of the most successful marketing campaigns on the planet and give you tangible frameworks as well as anecdotal experiences that act as valuable lessons. If you enjoyed this episode and want more exclusive behind-the-scenes looks into the top marketing teams in the world, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform.